This podcast was brought to you by Supersound. Supersound. Hello and welcome to the Whip Beyond Measure podcast. I'm Anthony Murray and today I'm joined by young Sirius Snape himself, Neil Scott. How you I mean, doing, I'm Neil? Not, not young anymore, but uh, younger than uh, Alan Rickman was before he what do you, what age do you think? What age do you think Alan Rickman was when he first put on the cape or the, the robes of mm. Sirius Snape? He must have been well in his... 50s? 50s? Yeah, late, mid-50s. I think he was about 64 when he died, maybe. Right. Um, but So early yeah. 50s, possibly. Rest in peace. Um, I mean, actually, we could mention the topic because the kind of ecosystem within which Sirius Snape exists has been uh, chosen. It was. Well, uh, today we will be discussing fads, F-A-D-S, fads, a fad, a thing that comes and goes, uh, and some people think it's important for that moment of time, but then it just, it vanishes. So we've we've identified some fads, and we're going to discuss whether or not they qualify. But you've suggested from the top, an absurd suggestion perhaps, that Harry Potter and the wizarding world is a fad. How can you say that, Neil? Well, this was suggested by our compadre, our comrade Richard, who was on the pod. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah. If it's the first time you're listening to the podcast, maybe you've been uh, stoked up by the media frenzy around people trying to boycott the podcast uh, after the things we said about uh, Vladimir Putin last week. Um, who was it that was boycotting? It was a. Uh, it was those two lesbian Russian singers, wasn't it? Is that uh, yeah. what we established? What were they called? Tattoo. 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 I've uh, spat the dummy with some of our anti-Putin rhetoric, and uh, I've said that they are going to refuse to have their tunes on Podbean dot org or whatever it is that where we post the podcast. So uh, it's a and big Pod standoff. Bean, Podbean have stood by us. Super Sound have stood by us. Yep, uh, Podbean and Super Sound. Uh, they're separate companies, but they, they you know they collaborate in our production, and uh, they they've stood by us. So get the fuck tattoo. Yeah, we're the real money earners. But um, Harry Potter, you know, is it a fad? Richard says it is. I would say it's too early to tell because it's still really popular. If you go to a supermarket, like if you go to Marks and Spencers, they'll have like harry potter pajamas and this is like what 10 years since the last film came out about 20 years since the last wait 20 years since the last book yeah came out it's a long time since harry potter's been kind of finished but the 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 frightening thing is that it's it's basically taken over english culture you know it is now english culture if you go to oxford or edinburgh you know in prime locations in our towns and cities you will find a big money-spinning Harry Potter shop where Chinese tourists, American teenagers will be buying wands, buying T-shirts, buying hoodie tops. It's not a day I go through my school and I don't walk past a kid in a Slytherin T-shirt or hoodie top. And I always roll my eyes at them. I say, why would you pick Slytherin? They're, they're obviously the bad guys. It's absurd. I mean, you can't argue with the sorting hat, Anthony. The sorting hat puts you into whatever... Right. So we're clearly, no, even though we're writing it off as a fad, we're clearly very uh, Potter literate. If what we're house are you in? To the, I'd be Grumbledore. Is that one? 
I don't know if you're aware, but this podcast is called <laughs> after a Ravenclaw, Ravenclaw uh, motto. Right. Ravenclaw motto is the wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure. Right. I'm assuming half our listeners are Harry Potter devotees waiting. Oh, big time. For, but do you think the Soren Hat's letting me into Grumbledore, or is it t- sending me somewhere else? Grumbledore, that's not a one. <laughs> you just, I mean, you grumble a lot. But uh, I, I, if, if if I get sent to Slytherin, I'd be like, all right, I, I do have a a nice green and grey Celtic scarf, which looks very, very Slytherin, very. Uh, so I could uh, wear that. So <laughs> I wouldn't have to buy a scarf, which would be. I mean, there's one of the ironies, isn't it, that you've now got. Uh, dumb Americans buying Hogwarts scarves or what's you know the the Motherwell scarf the Bradford City scarf <laughs> spent like fifty quid on them. Just head along a Valley Parade or Fur Park, pick one <laughs> five quid, money saved. But I guess the question is with fads like how long does something have to be popular and famous for it to stop being a fad? And just to become an established part of culture, twenty years, ten years—I don't know what the. I mean, I guess a fad traditionally lasts about six months to a year. And I think it's certainly with the, we've all we've we've come up with examples. You've come up with five. I've come up with five. Uh, Richard's contributed as well. And I think some of my things might not even be fads. Do you know what I mean you might feel free to deconstruct and say that that's not a fad because maybe I've just got the wrong end of the stick. That happens sometimes on this podcast. Uh, but I think some of them definitely qualify. Uh, do you want to go, are, are, are we done with Harry Potter? Can we move on? Have we established? Do we vote? Do we agree with uh, Richard's suggestion that Harry Potter is a fad? I'm going to say not a fad because it has too many elements from Star Wars and Lord of the Rings that kind of bring it into that kind of classic, you know, uh, tale. You know, is it like Joseph Campbell, you know, the myth of the, you know, the the, the kind of, the hero's journey. I think yeah. it's kind of got enough of that. It's got enough classic re- references that it'll probably last at least another, you know, thirty years. I think. I'm gonna I'm gonna provide an argument that I think supports it, and that it was actually something I heard on the radio for uh, farming today. When I first thing I woke up this morning, I heard them talking about grey and red squirrels, and at the time I thought, Ugh, why are they all? You know, I didn't think anything of it, but now. I'm going to argue that Harry Potter is the grey squirrel coming into Britain and usurping all the existing culture. You know, nobody's going to give a shit about C.S. Lewis and his talking lion, you know, in, in you know, a generation's time. Whereas the, the grey squirrel of the Potterverse has come in and displaced it. You know, very similar, you know, not radically different, but ultimately I think it's the one that will kill off the, the red squirrel, Tolkien, CSO, maybe not Tolkien, but you get my point. Uh, yeah, I think it's too prominent and uh, the damage has been done and it's here to stay. So not a fad. Well, that's yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like, I think if some there's a brilliant term called the Lindy effect, which might help us to kind of distinguish some of these fads. And the Lindy effect is basically the idea that the longer something has been around, then the longer it will be around. I remember when I was at university, this, there's this girl and she said to me, oh, yeah, like in 20 years, no, I think in like 10 years, no one will be reading paper books anymore. They're, they're going to die out. Everyone's going to be doing e-readers. We're all going to be like, you know, like writing notes on our little, you know, Kindle type thing. 
And now, you know, I'd say books are, you know, proper paper books are as successful as they've ever been. And that's because, like, this is a solid technology that's been around a long time. And, you know, people people like it. And I think that's one way to think about faddishness. The short, the longer it's been around, the longer it probably will be around. And that metaphor applies literally and metaphorically in that the biggest selling book of our times is the Harry Potter book. Yeah. And it's here to stay. Right. Okay. So, right, Neil, you take us away. Give us the first in-studio suggestion. Okay. So the one I really like, and this is a fad that I've noticed has disappeared in the COVID era. Because a lot of, um, I think a lot of fads, they rely on visibility. So you see someone cool doing something and you think, oh, I should do that. But I think these things have disappeared. And what I'm talking about is flesh tunnels. Do you know what a flesh tunnel is? Uh, I could have a guess, but I don't think you'd be very appropriate. What is, what is a flesh tunnel? So what it is, it's like a little kind of circle that you put into your earlobe and then you make it bigger and bigger. Oh, they're if, disgusting. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not that pleasant to look at, I would say, but but they will expand your ear until, you know, people will have them as big as, you know, oh, they're massive. a saucer you yeah. know, cup, for your cup of tea. And... I noticed it. There's a guy in a pub that I go to. He used to have the biggest flesh tunnels in Glasgow. Oh. Doesn't have the flesh tunnels anymore. Like, no point having them. Probably, you know, he's at home doing Zoom. He's got to wear his headphones. Yeah. The whole flesh tunnel's, like, sagging out. And I think, actually, it doesn't take oh. that long for your ear to recuperate. Yeah, your, your ear recovers. It doesn't want to be, like, sagging down. Like, oh. That's the second <laughs> in this episode, and yeah, I, I think you've 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 hit you've you've captured a moment there of something I genuinely despise. Those things are horrible. So you think they they're a fad? Someone's seen them from some African tribe or Native uh, Native American Native South American tribes? You know, on their backpacking tour, they thought that's what I need. I need to have saggy ears uh, with a little hoop in there, and they've come back. They've done it. It's very much what's that? Uh, What's that thing when people steal someone else's culture? What's it called again? Cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation. I'm going to accuse them of that. They probably think they're they're being very enlightened and not not accepting that at all. So I'm not sure think that's a fad. Oh, it was a fad. Like five years ago, I remember a friend of mine saying, oh, I'm thinking of getting a flesh tunnel. And actually you Ugh. start very small. So it probably starts just like an ordinary an earring. earring yeah. And you just make it a bit bigger, a bit bigger. And they actually sell like flesh tunnels like going up the way like millimeter by millimeter you just train your ear to get bigger and bigger and I remember saying to her at the time like "Mm, not sure I quite like that aesthetic I don't think it looks that good Uh, but clearly she knew someone who was cool you know like someone you know a bit like nose rings like that was really popular at some point or like five years ago like women having like a kind of you know, cows have like a, a bull ring, ring. Yeah. a bull ring. Like that became popular. What was going on with that? Right. Have you ever been out with a girl with a bull ring? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'd, I'd probably genuinely, I don't think I've ever stood within a meter of someone with one of these stretched ear things. I'm just not a fan of it at all. It looks like some kind of sci-fi worm crawling out their ear. It's horrible. I mean, it's it's okay when they've got the big hole and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But when they take out the actual plastic thing mm. and it's just sagging down, that's not a good look. 
not a good look but, but i'd say that's a fad and i think it's pretty much over now that um kind of covid has like made made it less visible well, probably it's not cool anymore anyway right okay i'm gonna accept that and, and let's celebrate that i might crack a bottle <laughs> of prosecco to celebrate the, the decline and fall of that fad yeah they, those things were shit if any listeners they love those things you know you be you but yeah they are they are horrible yeah uh, right. What's your, what's your first uh, of my list? I'll I'll pick a silly one, one that we can get through quickly. That you can maybe tell me. It might not even be a fad. It might. I think it might just be an affectation, which is footballers not rolling up their socks properly. Oh, yeah. Kind of Jack Grealish. The modern uh, vernacular would be the Jack Grealish because mm. he's probably the highest profile player that, for some reason, has decided at a young age, I'm going to risk a broken ankle and not wear proper grown-up shin pads, which exist for a reason, and wear tiny, tiny, the low, the, the smallest shin pads FIFA will allow me to play the sport in professionally, and just tuck them into the sock, almost like a, a lollipop or something, and roll my socks down so I look like Paul Breitner from the 1974 World Cup. Now, Paul Breitner was one of the world's best footballers of all time. It was the 70s. Nobody really wore shin pads. Socks rolled down because they were made of shitty materials that didn't stretch properly and socks fell down that was the case but now it's 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 a pure affectation it's someone saying oh everyone else has got their socks rolled up i'm gonna roll my socks down so i look a little bit different and if you are brilliant like i'm told jack Grealish is yet see any evidence to suggest that may be the case but uh if you've just some dickhead that plays for sheffield united or something i'm not even gonna name him but any listener who knows football knows who i'm talking about uh yeah, just just it's just a contrary position. It's a con, a contrary decision, and it's a fad. It'll go away. How many people? How many footballers do you think are doing this? Oh, one in one in five hundred, maybe. Right, so it's not many. Maybe like not many. Like two in the Premier League. Or, yeah. So it's not quite reached epidemic proportions at this. So stage. is that a fad, or is it just? A... I don't think it's popular enough. If that's. Right. Um, it's more an affectation at this okay, stage. So. Bad but start the, for me. Okay. The fact that Jack Grealish is doing it means it probably will become a fad because yeah, the everything boy, he does. The young Arsenal boy who's quite good with a double barrel name. Smith Rowe. Possibly. Yeah, because he's already doing it. He's he's the new Jack Grealish. I mean, there's a guy, I think it's Matty Target, who's just been sold to uh, Newcastle, has got Jack Grealish's exact haircut. Oh. And you know that you can tell. I think it's it's like cash or something. Anyway, like one of these Aston Villa players has kind of said, right, the Jack Grealish hole in uh, in Aston Villa has been opened up. The the flesh tunnel in right. in Aston Villa has been opened up, and I'm going to fill it with my Jack Grealish hair. So we think if these younger players are going for these Jack Grealish isms, it could it could evolve into a fad within the game. But outside the game, it's it's not really relevant, is it? No, not well. I don't know how ubiquitous it is on Sunday League, but I wonder. You know, like when I saw him for the first time, I was like, you know, be careful, Jack. Those beautiful shins covered with those child-sized shin pads. Like you're going to get an injury, you're going to be out of the game for three years, and then you're going to come back and never be the same again. Yeah. But I wonder whether he gets less i mean he is the most fouled player in the premier league apparently but i wonder whether defenders are a bit more cautious because they just see those beautiful calves totally exposed and they think oh god you know i could do some damage to that if i'm not yeah. careful 
<laughs> I, I he's now worth allegedly. Oh, he's not here. Defend him, is he? Our Man City fan in residence. Uh, I wonder what he thinks about these things. Maybe next week we'll we'll get a, a reply from Richard about uh, Jack Grealish's stupid socks. Right, moving on to the next one, Neil. What's uh, your your next choice? Okay, so next one is one that I participated in once. And I think this is interesting, like when a fad comes up. Yeah. And obviously it's very popular and you like it's very cool. And you have to make a decision whether you're going to kind of embrace it or reject it. And one time I embraced it just to see what it felt like. And it is wearing a fedora. Do you remember fedoras? uh, I know what a fedora is. Yeah. Kind Uh, of a hat that, you know, like from the 50s or whatever. But it was kind of very popular around the time of the Libertines and the Strokes. And that's funny. Yeah, I was thinking Libertines as soon as you mentioned it. I think, uh, I don't know what specific hat uh, that guy, the heroin addict, QPR fan, Pete Doherty, the QPR fanzine writer, as we know. I don't know which hat he was wearing, but that kind of hat, you know, those kind of hats where it's a bit old school or whatever. And I did wear it once, uh, going to a gig in, uh, in Islington. I was living in London at the time, and I was walking to this gig in Islington. And Islington is a very posh area of London, but yeah. like a lot of posh areas of London, it has a council estate in the middle of it. And I was walking through Islington and some some boys, maybe teenage boys, started throwing rocks at me. And fortunately, Wait, they Where missed. did they find these rocks? Well, I, I guess a building site or something. Okay. Like, uh, anyway, started throwing rocks. And I thought, I think it's the fedora. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fedora. And I, I was also wearing like a a suit jacket with jeans and, you know, a T-shirt. So you got the full Clarkson with a full, fedora. Full look. <laughs> um, right. but I, I think really I would cool. have been with the kids throwing rocks, to be honest. Um, Again, it's an affectation, isn't it? I would say for a brief period in that Libertines period where, like, there would be kids going out dressed like Chelsea pensioners. It was just like this weird uniform yeah. thing that like for a brief period was the cool thing to wear even though it's faintly ludicrous it might have been a london thing isn't it no they sell they sell uh chelsea pensioner jackets in mr ben which is the kind of hipster second-hand uh clothes shop next to mono in glasgow oh wow uh, okay. so i think it got up to glasgow but right are they chelsea pensioner things or are they some kind of orange lodge thing <laughs> is this some UVF dance outfit or something? Uh, I'm not sure, but it probably didn't make it to Dumfries. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Dun- Dumfries got an orange walk. Don't 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 dismiss the Dunhamers for their Protestantism. They they can bang a drum just the best as the next one, you know. Right? Okay. Uh, I think you're probably right. Yeah. And again, a fad. We will try and volunteer some fads that we we went for. You know, we bought into. Even if it was a one-off incident where kids justifiably threw stones at us, yeah, that 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 was the fad. But it came over. What do you do with the hat? You just throw it in the Thames or burn it? Uh, <laughs> um, my wife put it on like a, a a tailor's dummy. She had a little. She went through a dressmaking phase. I don't know if it was a fad. It didn't last very long, I have to say. Right. But you know, it was kind of a self. I, I think fad is different to, like, can you have a fad of one? Like one person having a fad. Anyway, she had this tailor's dummy and it, the hat sat on top of the tailor's dummy for a few years. And now it's in charity shop. 
All right, okay. Return from whence you came, possibly. Right, so we've done two fashion ones. I'll do another kind of fashion one, but not one like you. You bought into the hat thing. I did not buy into this one at all, and it was the charity rubber bands around the wrist. Ah, yeah, classic. You know, classic, yellow, Livestrong, Lance Armstrong, world's most evil man, duped a bunch of people into watching him cheat in cycling races with, like, X-Men blood pumped into his veins. Pretty sure this is historically accurate. The worst man with one testicle. He's up there. He's he's in the top two, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. And he, he, you know, some uh, factory in Vietnam or Cambodia was raking it and making these little yellow rubber bands to support his charity causes, which by all accounts he, he did a lot of good work for. Uh, I'm sure he saw, saw 10% or something of that, that factories. You know, someone had to make those rubber bands. Or that spread out to countless other good causes or fashions or this, that, and the next thing. The famous one, the Christian ones, what would Jesus do? You know, you've got a little wristband, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Uh, but all these things, I'll, I'll I'll put them all in one thing. Say it's a fan. I had a friend, I think he still wears a yellow band, like now. He really committed to the idea. And then it, when it became less and less fashionable, he doubled down on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a real sort of, it, it, he became more and more contrary with it. And I, I think he still might still wear one, you know, 14 years after any relevance what about the people that wear about 12 you see these people sometimes yeah. that have just got loads on and i don't know if they wear them all the same at the same time you know it's all year round or if it's like you know it's like gay pride month this month i think and you know like will they get out the rainbow one yeah you know or like the poppy one i don't know if there is a poppy one actually there should be but well, the uh, smart that's... play would be you'd not wear a rainbow one but wear all the colors individually oh, that's a good one yeah. make a nice little rainbow thing on your wrist that'd be quite cool right so uh, would you agree that they're a fad definitely i think that's a classic fad but i don't know if yeah i never participated i'm curious who who was the people participating? Because it is, it's just pure virtue signaling, isn't it? Well, like... Just to give you an example, the guy, my friend, I won't name him, who was Mr. Lance Armstrong Band, was also the first guy to send me a message saying, see this Facebook thing? You've got to get in on it. We can oh, get God. Facebook accounts. And then he was the first guy to say, see this Facebook thing? It's the devil. We've got to get out of it. <laughs> so, yeah, he's very much ahead of the curve. Is he oh. off Facebook? Uh, he's on Messenger. Okay. Well, he must be on Facebook, yeah. yeah. I only use it for Messenger, you know, that classic line, which is, to be honest, quite a, a true thing. For most Facebook is, I would say, a, hopefully a fad. I don't know if I'm going to name it as one of my fads, but I really yeah. hope it's over. And I, I was one of those people that, you know, got, you know, it went crazy, right? Yeah. But we'd had things go crazy before, MySpace, Friendster, you know, live journal, there was things that people were doing. And actually, you know, like you just expect that they're going to rise up, you're going to friend a few people and then it's disappeared. But Facebook had something else that made them long lasting, made them not be a fad. Well, for me, all it did, it, 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 I, I, I forgot MSN Messenger disappearing because it just, you know, the, the use of it just evolved into Facebook. And it was only a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was reminded that S- Messenger existed. And it was, oh, yeah, I use that all the time. But in the same way, I now use Facebook Messenger all the time. So, yeah, but, you, I mean, you could now strip away everything else about Facebook 
and be left with just the messenger. And it's basically just like they're in charge of, you know, the old phone lines almost. You know, it's, it's that's what it's for. It is quite nice having a list of people on a messaging service. You don't need their phone number. You don't yeah. need their email address because you know there, there was that thing of people's email address being changed or lost or they've you yeah. know they've broken it and then you'd lose touch with someone whereas at least on facebook they're just there on facebook yeah uh so my next choice is going to be the new atheism the new atheism Have you, do you remember the new atheism about i guess maybe 15 years ago 20 years ago uh, there was the four horsemen of the apocalypse, or is it the four horsemen of atheism? Anyway, it's like Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and Ricky Gen- Gervais. <laughs> well, Ricky Gervais was aligned with them, and there was a, I think it was like Dutton or someone. Anyway, like some guy, a kind of psychologist, and they came along, did loads of events, kind of became really popular, lambasted christianity and islam and everything and basically blamed religion for all the evil in the world all the wars all the everything and like you know religion is a terrible thing and it became like i think people were like really into it for a time like this was like such oh if only we get rid of religion everything will be fine and they worked right like i think rates of atheism have risen like hugely in america they're already quite big in britain uh, but what did it amount to? It amounted to nothing, really. It's like a few books and, you know, religion's still here. It's still pretty lindy. It's going to be here for another thousand years, probably. Yeah, we can't say Christianity was a fad. No. no or Islam. No, these are long-lasting things that have something in them. And, like, you may not like them, you may not be into them, but there's something about them that's managed to kind of keep them prominent, keep them relevant, you know, through thick and thin through thousands of years. You know, like when you think of like uh, the process of preserving these texts, you know, on islands in the west of Scotland. Yeah. You know, when the barbarians are at the door and yet somehow it still survived and the message lived on. Yeah, not a fad, but I, I would say the new atheism was a fad. And, you know, whether you like it or not, the fact that it became this intellectual craze for just a, brief period i think it's interesting to reflect back on that it's interesting that you know i've read a lot of their books and what do you remember you know you read 300 page book and you remember you know you could have said that in one line you know you know you could have said what you said in a page you know there was no great i don't know philosophy or no great alternative being presented so yeah i've, I've tried to you know i've, I've bought into the fact I've, I've tried to ex- not accept what they're saying, but listen to what they're saying and just come away thinking they sound like a bunch of snide wankers, you know, so. And you, uh, yeah, so you weren't convinced. You are you are an atheist, right? Yeah, I, I, just last week I, I, I suggested to someone that I'm probably on the, I'm still, you know, I sort of, you know, I'm, I'm probably on the atheist side of agnosticism at this point yeah. rather than being a full agnostic. So I've, it's, it's not to say I don't disagree with these people. I just find them all dickheads. You know, and I like Jesus, so fuck him. Uh, so yes, atheism, <laughs> a fad. Fuck off, <laughs> even though we agree with it, right? Uh, I'll go with the next one. I'll I'll, I'll take us to Television World, uh-huh. Stranger Things. Oh, that's a good. One, Stranger yeah. Things, right? Some people are going to be, oh no, I like Stranger Things. Hear me out, right? I'm a big fan of Steven Spielberg. A lot of his, you know, classic movies. I'm a big, bigger fan of Stephen King. 
basically anything I can consume of Stephen King, I will happily do so. So along comes a zeitgeisty show that captures for one great episode everything that was nostalgic about Stephen King and Steven Spielberg smashed together in this big Donner kebab meat of entertainment. And one episode in, I was like, oh, this isn't just good. This is the greatest thing ever made. And then two, I'm like, yep, this is everything I want. Stephen King, Stephen Spielberg, all those things from my childhood. I love three episodes. And I'm like, yep, where are they going with this? Four episodes. And I'm like, this is actually shit. This is shallow shit. Uh, it's crap nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia. It's all oh, look at the 1980s. Remember E.T.? It's just just rubbish. And although I watched all the way at the end of the season of the first year, I came away just being like, how could I have been so hypnotised by it so briefly to the, the point that I then realised, no, this is garbage. And I've, I've never revisited it. And some people I know and love have, you know, big fans of Stranger Things. But for me, it was an infantile show that I quickly lost interest in. I mean, Netflix are very good at creating these zeitgeist moments where everyone's talking about it and i think the fact that they released all the episodes at once yeah on these tv shows was like such a revelation when it first came out so you could binge on this stuff but yeah i agree with you I, I, the first season's kind of okay first series is okay but it's not it's not got anything substantial you realize that we live in a totally stuck culture that all it can do is pick away at the carcass of previously creative eras. And, and it has generated a, a Stephen King renaissance, you know, because the, all the, the content providers are throwing money at, you know, Stephen King IP, which isn't a bad thing because some of it, I, I'd rather see that being done by, you know, competent HBO and Netflix filmmakers. Uh, or modern artists taking that stuff on because it, it's been done badly in the past, you know, particularly in the 80s with you know shitty special effects and stuff. Uh, so there is potential for it to generate something new, but uh, Stranger Things in itself, no, nah, no. Nah. Fad came and went, obviously not because they're still making it and people love it, but uh, a shit fad from the Whip Beyond yeah. Measure stamp. It's funny when you get fads where the actors in a in a fad like briefly get their moment of yeah. being in other things. Yeah. Like the kid who's got the funny teeth in Stranger Things, like he started being in a few other films, but like you soon realise, oh no no, he's just that character. Yeah yeah yeah. He's he was in he was in it. He was in the new version of Stephen King's it. Was he One getting... of them was in Ghostbusters. Yeah. So yeah, so they'd gone from this tribute act to you know reimaginings of the original basically uh like i say i quite liked everyone in it you know it, there was a lot of good actors in it and stuff but ultimately the whole premise of it just oh, it did nothing for me right what's your next one neil um well i'll just mention one of uh richard's of course i yeah, have on yep. the list which is curling um, curling, the sport of curling or hair curling. We're not really sure. Wait, there's one more dancer. <laughs> but I've never tried it. I think it, I think it'd be quite good fun. Uh, I'd like to represent Scotland at kerning, which is like adjusting the letters, adjusting the space between letters in typography. All right. Okay. I wonder if that can be turned into a sport. Um, but my fad is kind of slightly sporting related, which is why I mentioned uh, Richard's curling suggestion. Right. But um, so, okay, here's the scenario. Here's the context. I'm on a train going to Guruk, 
on this train and go and this train you know it goes along the Clyde along the Firth you know going up down the side of the Clyde but at a certain point you can see into people's gardens you're on the train and you've got these like suburban houses and I tell you what all these gardens every single one of them had a trampoline in it (laughs) and it was like a trampoline with a dip in the middle full of like rainwater. Yeah. Because it's not trampoline weather in Scotland 90% of the time. <laughs> and, you know, they half of them are on their side. They're all a bit rusty. It's a kind of, uh, you know, I don't think it's going anymore, the fad for trampolines. But at some point about, you know, 10 years ago, trampolines were everywhere and there's like all these famous videos of like a trampoline being picked up by the wind and yeah. rolling down the street um but yeah i think that i think that counts as a fad right That's yeah it. definitely and again because we're you know we're an ecological uh, progressive podcast you know a huge waste of metal and plastic Terrible. that is probably going to end up at the bottom of the sea in some whale's belly i remember when i was a kid the local park in my town you know what council supported park had some great trampolines and we used to love going and playing on them and admittedly there was only three or four of them and you know you had to queue sometimes to get a shot but the whole world didn't need one in their garden exactly it's a classic example of like privatization you know giving individual solutions to what should be a social thing actually i did have a business idea which was to create airbnb for trampolines Right. So we would all be able to sh- communally share one trampoline and just book ourselves in. Well, actually, now that you mention it, that is a classic kids day, kids birthday day out. Mm-hmm. You know, some cynical capitalist has stuck what used to be in the, you know, this uh, state sponsored park in a big warehouse on the edge of town. Yeah. And kids all pile down there and break their ankles and wrists. And uh, I remember I, I went there with some nieces and nephews. Oh, great half hour of my life. So much fun, followed by the worst six months of my life as I had serious spine damage. Because <laughs> it turns out someone in their late 30s isn't designed to start bouncing on trampolines for a, a period out of nowhere without stretching. Yeah, absolute I, torture. I wonder what the kind of collective usage of what those private metal trampolines is. Like, I can imagine they get used for about like an hour and a half in their entire lifetime because no one wants to spend more than five minutes on the trampoline. Yeah, you need you need uh, a daughter or you know whatever to get really into like a sport like gymnastics or something and use it as their summertime practice facility and you know that if if your son or daughter you know just has a go in it once in a blue moon yeah that that doesn't add up you know so uh, wasted investment but uh yeah several family members have bought them and uh suffered the, the consequences so yeah i think that's a fad get back to the public park stick a couple of them in queen's park king's park you know let the people of glasgow go and bounce around for a little while if need be but you, you don't need to. You might even meet meet friends and stuff. What a wonderful event that would be. Right, so yeah, fad. Right, uh, another quick one from Richard. Sourdough, classic. Uh, it's a modern thing. I'd say the, the, the concept of sourdough existed before COVID, but yeah. COVID lockdown did uh, propel people towards this making my own bread and all that shit. And uh, sourdough became a big thing. Have the you sourdough ever done your own pizza. Sourdough. 
What's that? Have you ever done your own sourdough? Oh, absolutely not. I've I've completely given up attempts at baking after uh, a really really shit attempt at scones huh. uh, sometime in the last twenty four months. I thought I'd done it all right, but they smelled good, they looked good, they tasted like shit. So don't know what I did wrong. But now uh, scones are very much a, a Scottish treat when back home, and the rest of the year I can go without them. Because I am a big fan of fer- fermentation with the sourdough. Not sourdough, I don't do sourdough, but like um, things like kefir and kombucha and kimchi, which have very much become a fad. But that actually is because, partly because, we've only known that the gut bacteria does what it does for about 20 years. Like, this is right. totally new science. So um, everyone, get your kefir um and uh yeah really populate your gut bacteria great all right okay don't even know what kefir is what is it tell me it's kind of fermented milk they have it in eastern europe i think a lot Mm. but um i think originally it's from the caucasus and they put these little symbiotic cultures of bacteria and yeast in milk right these things eat the sugar in the milk so it's all the lactose and they basically make the milk a kind of yogurty thing all right, so is, is Actamel along these lines? Actamel is along those lines, but is like the modern kind of like science Capitalism grabbing their, yeah. you know, sinking their hooks into this idea. Right, oh, I, I have Actamel every day, so it turns but out I, I am into this. Actamel, total waste of plastic. Talk about trampoline. Yeah. Why not have a massive, big bottle of Actamel? Why do they put them in these tiny wee... Like child, like, like baby shop, size yeah. bottle shots of it, like total fake. I do, yeah. I do make sure they get recycled every single time. I okay. do rinse them out and put them in the the recycler. Yeah. So I'm doing my best, but I, I see your point, right? So I, yeah, I've, I've I've fallen for the Actamel fad, which wasn't you know what we were going at there. But I, I'll tell you one that I fell for big time. This is a fad I genuinely loved at the time. Although now I haven't thought about it for 23 years until having to have this conversation. And it was a thing called Tazos. Do you oh, remember yeah. what Tazos were, Neil? D- did you get them in like packets of crisps and then you would like put them together? They like yes. turned into a shape. Yes. Uh, listeners can't see my enthusiastic nodding <laughs> as you've, you've nailed it. Tazos were these little cardboardy plastic. They were, they were better than cardboard. I'd say cardboard is the poor man's plastic, definitely. They were sort of plastic little discs, a bit like gambling uh, chips. Gambling chips, you know, that kind of size. And for some reason, they, the crisp company, Walkers, you know, you'd buy crisps and you'd get a free Tazo. And the first, I think, run in Britain at least, where they were like Looney Tunes characters. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, a. Uh, Warner Brothers, you know, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck and all these things. And I must have eaten loads of crisps back then because I had, I had like the full set, you know, and they, they had little trimmed edges so you could kind of sculpt them together and stuff. And if you had a nice table surface, you could you could bash them across the table and they'd slide along almost like a an air hockey table. But it had to be a very, very flat surface. But you could have a lot of, you could do stuff with these things. But really it was just a, a classic collector's item and he got you hooked it was like, all right if i've got daffy duck and bugs bunny then i better eat a million bags of crisps until i've got you know i don't know Taz- the tasmanian devil and 
that big chicken with the southern drawl. And they were uh, different to pogs. Were pogs well, or? that's it. I, when I googled Tazos earlier, it was like, they were similar to pogs. So pogs was a thing. So Tazos was clearly some different plastic manufacturer uh, getting some different IP and peddling these ones. Now, this is where they get good, though. Because with the re-releases of the Star Wars movies in the late 90s, prior to the prequels, they did a run of Star Wars Tazos. Hmm. And that's when I must have gone crisp crazy because I had hundreds of those things, you know, trying to... And at that point, it turned into, you know, like kids with uh, football stickers. You know, you were trading, oh, I don't have a, a jab of the heart, you know, oh, I'll give you a Luke Skywalker for a Bantha and all that stuff, you know. So... Uh, it caught a sweet spot in my late teens. I must have had some kind of disposable income if I was buying all these crisps. But yes, I, I went for Tazos in a big way. Because I associate it with playground fads. Yes. So like the ones I remember are th- um, things like um, yo-yos, like Coca-Cola, 7-Up, Fanta. Yes. Yo-yos was a big thing. And um, I mean, I think in more recent times, fidget spinners. Yes. I mean, I've, obviously that. I'm a teacher in the last decade, so I've, I've lived through them all. There's a thing called loom bands. These are, these are dolphin stomach liners. Uh, you know, just little bits of plastic that you, you know, you know, there's a creative edge to a textile. You know, they weave them together and they make little little girls make little wristbands. They come every three or four years. They come back. And what's uh, the little pop things where you like push some little like it's like um, yeah, they jump. Yeah, like I think well, it's, it, it it looks to me like bubble wrap, but it's like yes. bubble wrap that you don't just chuck it or chuck it. That's away. the new one. That's a game. You can yeah. basically a sort of rudimentary Connect Four kind of game, or or you know, uh, knots like and crosses, or, or some kind of thing. Yeah, they're big right now. But again, another uh, school fad that will come and go. Tamagotchi like era when everyone touching it is spreading their disease. Mm. So yeah, Tamagotchi. Did you ever have a Tamagotchi? Never had a Tamagotchi. Now we're just doing all the fads. Now. Come on, <laughs> we have to have some discipline. We've done the Tazos. Move on to your your next one. So this is my final one. I think this is the fifth. Yeah. One is going to be one that I really got into over the COVID era. And I'm still tentatively into this, but I think it fits into the category of a fad, which is wild swimming. So right. um, wild swimming uh, became really popular because all the swimming pools were closed. But it also became popular because this guy Wim Hof, like the uh, yeah. Dutch breath guy, um, he kind of started promoting cold water therapy. Yeah. And in Scotland, there's plenty of cold water, lots of locks, lots of places to go. And it's thrilling. It, you feel amazing after yeah, doing wild swimming. Look at the situation. Are you concerned that your penis looks you know, slightly <laughs> well-sized and your balls are hanging outside your body? I can fix that. Get yourself in the Clyde, get yourself in the fourth. Those things will vanish. Exactly. So, well, that's, that's I mean, one of the side effects. But the, the main one is you feel amazing. But there's all this culture that's come around it. So there's these um, things that people wear afterwards called dry robes. Ugh. You put on this thing, and this has caused a lot of controversy because dry robes are like an indication that you're a middle an indicator that you're a middle class twat. Um, oh no! And it so sounds right. But, <laughs> yeah. So I was What's in the lock- difference between a dry robe and a dressing gown. 
Well, dry robe doesn't have an opening usually. I mean, it's kind of like an all one, all in one kind of moo moo type thing. Oh, oh, I'm getting angry. I'm getting angry <laughs> about this because you've uh, now you've you've made me think it's a kind of hybrid between a onesie, which you know, uh, there's somewhere right now in Scotland, there's someone in a win a onesie bouncing on a trampoline, <laughs> and I hope they land on their neck. But sorry, sorry, that, that was too mean. Carry on. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the thing about the dry robe is you put it on, it's like a big towel and you can get dressed with dignity. Whereas if you just have a towel and it's around your waist and you're like, you know, you're exposing yourself half the time. Yeah. So the, the dry robe is for that reason and it keeps you nice and toasty. Uh, but I was actually in Loch Ness over the weekend and I brought my dry robe <laughs> and my swimming you gear. One. Uh, and I was thinking, right, I can do some Nessie hunting over this weekend. Um, but I I bottled it. And I think this is why I think it's a fad, because, like, I couldn't actually just bring myself to do it. Like, when when you're in a fad moment, actually, you can kind of, like, be part of a craze. Like, yeah. your mind is taken over with the zeitgeist-defining thing you're doing. And you just kind of carry on doing this kind of weird thing. Um, but when you kind of wake up from the fad, you're like, oh, why am I doing this? Yeah. Am I a dick? <laughs> uh, yeah, the idea, the, the suggestion you made there about the, you know, d- dressing with dignity. I mean, is, is that ever possible? Do you know what I mean? The whole concept of dressing is something that should be done in a hidden room. You know, and if you're out on a beach changing, you, know, you just do it. You know, sometimes you've you've got to bear a, a butt or a bollock. You know, it's just, you know, don't stare at me while I'm doing it. Okay. You know, nobody, yeah. nobody benefits from either of these things. It, it has reminded me of a slight tangent, if you if you'll indulge me. There's a there's a boy I teach. As uh, he's about eighteen, but he's clearly recently become aware of the concept of drop the soap. Any conversation or characters in a book that we're reading that end up in prison, even if none of that uh, jiggery pokery happens in the story. You know, he will be, he'll always make the joke, drop the soap. You know, the the implication being in prison jails, prison showers, someone drops the soap, you immediately get buggered, right? It's, you know, oh, drop the soap, you know. But the other day I was at the gym and I was in the shower and I dropped my little bottle of hotel soap and I, I accidentally sort of looked across and made eye contact <laughs> with a guy and it's like... Do you know I mean, obviously that's that's a horrible situation. And you said to him, you said to him, what are you waiting for? <laughs> well, I was, the only outcome in that situation is to wait for the com- comedic beat and then go in as, as camp a way as you can. Whoops! <laughs> you know, yeah. because, you know, that, that fills in the blanks. And how did it go? Did no, you... no, no, no. <laughs> that, that was obviously something that did not leave my mouth. Just that. I thought okay. that I had. It would be a funny way out of that situation. But it wasn't actually soap. It was like a shower gel. Yeah, it was a shampoo. It was a little oh, bottle right. of shampoo. Not so, quite as funny as the soap. Yeah, of it course. It has to be was, a bit more. There wasn't an electrical bar of soap bouncing yeah. into this guy's feet and feet, <laughs> standing there butt-ass naked, begging for it, you know. Uh, right. Said begging for it. Here's something that nobody's begging for. Is this your final one? My final one. And it came along at a time when we were we were peak movie-arama podcasters. And it is a fad. I think history will prove it's a fad. And it's a fad that keeps returning, but it's still a fad. 3D cinema. Oh, God. Now, 
They tried to push it, and you always had to pay extra for 3D. And I remember for, for the longest time just having zero interest in it, just being like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to see a, a film in 3D. And then there was one, like, the first sort of Toy Story kind of animation that came out that was meant to be in 3D, and apparently it was it was worth seeing. So just as a, an experiment, I went to see, I think it was Monsters v other monsters or something. I don't know what it was called. Aliens v. Monsters, something like that, some pish. And I went to see it, and I just remember being like, all right, an interesting novelty, but I never need to do this again. And then, you know, serious filmmaker, uh, Avatar guy, James Cameron, comes along and says, right, I'm going to make, you know, the biggest movie of all time this way. Like I say, I think, like, like a lot of people, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good at the time. I saw it in 3D, but then... The, 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 it's a strange film because it was zeitgeisty. It was huge at the time, but now nobody has any fondness for it. You know, it, it picked up the dances with Smurfs, you know, review line. You know, like a, a mockery of the Steve, Kevin Costner film Dances with Wolves. Uh, you know, people kind of saw through the what I thought. I think everyone felt at the time it was a sort of sincere allegory for greedy capitalists killing the planet. Uh, but then people just sort of saw through the cynicism of that or, or accused it of cynicism. And yeah, nobody really has any fondness for it. But then he's, he's going to make like four or five sequels, which nobody needs or wants. But ultimately, my fad is is 3D. 3D, which, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like th- those glasses make everything a bit darker and your brain adapts to it within about five minutes. So it's no longer really that impressive at some point. I think the one, I, the first one I saw was like Journey to the Center of the Earth, which was like a big Brendan Fraser uh, one. But that one was designed a bit like a theme park ride. It was designed yeah. just to kind of shove all this stuff into you. But uh, I agree with Christopher Nolan that like 3D, you know, does, it doesn't actually add anything, you know, because the way the eyes work and the way that the screen works and everything. But I did see the last Christopher Nolan film in 4DX, which doesn't have 3D glasses. But what it does have is that every time someone gets punched, there's a little thing in the back of your seat that punches you in the back. And every time there's a bullet, a little like a puff of air goes past your ear and go, uh, and uh, and there will be like a, if they're in water there'll be a bit of spray and if there's a bit of smoke in the scene they'll do some smoke so it's like proper you know theme park ride but Tenet they had a 4DX version of Tenet so right so so uh, is that is that sanctioned by uh, no one as he said oh right yeah do I design this or I don't think he designed it I, th- I think he just said look okay I, I won't do 3D but you can do that to it you know um, right so it's like some Korean guy in a in a computer room, like pressing a button. Right now, the smoke goes. Now the yeah. thing goes. But so, are you eager to go and see other films with this thing? Four uh, D is four D the fact that three D is not. Or? Not not especially. But I wouldn't not go. I wouldn't avoid it. I have to say, I wouldn't yeah. avoid it. If 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 another four D film came out and that was all that was available. I would probably, I'd probably pop in. It's quite fun having, you know, the the seat moves and stuff like that. Have you, have you ever tried to? 
No, no, no. I've never done any of it. I tell you what, I, I meant to mention this, but this is my little, I'll sneak in a little sixth fad. You know, we, we did discuss Facebook earlier, you know, the metaverse. My uh, niece for Christmas got a, what do you call that branded Facebook mask that goes in your head? Oculus. An, an Oculus. And I, whilst having no intentions of ever buying an Oculus, always kind of hankered to have a shot of one. I think I, I thought I, I maybe I'd love that. You know, maybe I'd really, really enjoy you know living in a virtual world. You know, I, I've played my fair share of you know Red Dead Redemption Two and stuff like that. And I, I think part of me is still intrigued. Like, could you combine the Oculus with a big narrative game like that? And then you really are in Westworld. You know, you are. You know, you're in Ready Player One. You know, you're you're going around a, a different life. But all the kind of free games that Zuckerberg is peddling with the the kit, nausea-inducing heads, like sore heads, like within 30 seconds, I was uncomfortable and tearing it off my head. Just mm. a, a genuine realization. I absolutely hate this. My sister put me on a roller coaster, and I I I, I had to sit down because standing doing it was legitimately stressful. And then sitting doing it was just a, a horrible experience. So, yeah, and you know, if, if I'm going to meet boring Mark Zuckerberg and his little six-bit, you know, visual avatar of himself, fuck that shit. You know, what's and, the point of creating super alternative realities in, you know, beautiful, photorealistic worlds like Red Dead Redemption just to then take it back to cartoon worlds for other bandwidth purposes? You yeah, know, just I think absolutely absurd. I think the bandwidth is a struggle, isn't it? That when it's like you've it's got to constantly update when you're turning yeah. your head. But um, I don't know if VR was ever popular enough to become a fad. Like clearly, a few yeah. years ago, like loads of people were buying it, but it was never that big a, a deal. The only experience I've ever had of VR has been in art galleries, and I went to an art gallery. Uh, in Glasgow is like contemporary art gallery very kind of hip and you put on this VR headset and as you look down you had the body of a woman a naked woman naked woman and you're there just like exploring your big boobs and uh, and all this and I swear I was only only had it on for about five minutes but it took me about an hour to recover my sense of reality. Yes. Really, totally disconnected from the world at this point. Like every message to my brain was saying, "Oh, you are, <laughs> you are this woman." So yeah, I don't know. It's, uh... So yeah, you're walking past a car. Yeah, you, you look into the, the the window to see the reflection. Like, where's Where's my tits? <laughs> Where have my tits gone? <laughs> exactly. But, um, so talking of tits. Uh, the final uh, one of Richard, he only su- submitted four, I think, is... Uh, yes, that, that, this sounds nasty. We're setting up Richard as the tit. We are not. I, let's, you know, let's be very careful. Richard has suggested a tit. Richard yeah. is not the tit. Sorry, I didn't mean to suggest that. Oh, but yeah, sorry. so talking of tits, this is Richard's last, <laughs> last suggestion. It's uh, Anthony's mate... Yeah, I walked past him in the street once, got a great photo on the, the banner headline page of the BBC News website with me uh, and this uh, fad tit. I think if you Google the word fad, this guy's picture might come up. I've heard of Beatlemania, but who can forget Clegmania? 
that golden spring of 2010 when Nick Clegg showed the world how it was going to be done. Reformed the world. And is also, we've talked a lot about Facebook today. He actually works for Facebook now. He does, so. doesn't he? He is, he's the meta man. They said, his own little 16-bit avatar floating around the universe, the metaverse. They said, how can we be less like, okay, we're the most hateful company in the world. Everyone hates us, right? How can we deflect this hatred onto someone else who is more hated? And they're like, I know, we'll get Nick Clegg, who let down the students, who, you know, got in bed with the Tories, and we'll, uh, we'll kind of put all of the animus that people feel onto this guy. Do you think that decision at Facebook was made when, I don't know, like a footballer was really good once upon a time? Like like Oleg Salenko scored five goals against Cameroon in the 1994 World Cup. And, you know, most intelligent football fans would be like, all right, these things happen now and again in a dead rubber at the end of a group where both teams are going out. This stupid-looking Russian with a mullet has scored five goals. Good for him. Uh, so he's broken the record. He scored all these goals. And the rest of the football world's like, oh, are we going to go and sign this Russian Van Basten? It's like, well, no, because he's not a Russian Van Basten. He's Oleg Zelenko. He's shit, almost certainly. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just forget he happened. And then, you know, of course, some stupid coach, maybe in Scotland, goes and signs him for Glasgow Rangers because they remembered that game he was good. You know, so someone at Facebook was, you know, looking at Clegg in 2010. Like, oh, this guy's hot stuff. This guy's this guy. This guy's another Kennedy. This guy's JFK, but he's European and married to some Dutch bird. And he's, oh, he's, he's he looks good in a suit. Spanish, isn't she? Isn't she? Is Spanish? He Spanish? Married to some Spanish bird. Knew she was European. Yeah, he's, he's hot stuff. He speaks different languages. He's got his PPE from Oxbridge. Oh, yeah, we need the Clegmeister on board. And then no one's like filled in the blanks. Like, oh, no, he, oh, he sold his soul. And then he and then he got everyone else's souls and he sold them. And he's oh, he's, he sold a lot of souls. He's yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a cunt. <laughs> I mean, he does look really sad these days. He's got those kind of sad eyes, disillusioned no. eyes. No, no. Rich people don't get that sad. People that rich don't get that sad. Can you imagine how rich? The Clegmeister is now. One of the reasons, I, I was thinking like we could do a little list of things that almost made our top five. And one that was just outside for me was Billy Big Mouth, which uh, was this little fish that people had on their wall uh, that when you kind of, I don't oh, know the, if you the pressed a button and it would sing, don't worry, be happy. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I kind of think if you're rich, you're probably too classy to have a Billy Big Mouth singing Don't Worry, Be Happy, which is going to make you depressed. Whereas if you're, like, working class, you'll think it's brilliant having a Billy Big Mouth. And then... You think Nick Clegg's got a Billy Big Mouth? Oh, he he won't. He's too middle class. Do you think he'll have one of those uh, dressing gown, cold water swimming outfits? Oh, definitely. Definitely? Yeah. No, he'll he'll do the cold water swimming uh, with camo. What in full camouflage? No, with David Cameron. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be out in Oxfordshire, uh, find some lake nearby, and uh, you know it'll be like, oh, you don't need to wear that. You can just get changed naked. We've we've seen each other. Are you going to take us off in some Tory liberal fanfic? 
gay pornography. <laughs> That did seem to be what it was setting itself up. It did up, seem but... to be setting it up. Uh, I, 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 my thought was that Meister uh, would be living in the, the Hollywood Hills or you know uh, Frisco or you know uh, the Bay Area, yeah, yeah, the Bay Area, Francisco, surely. Yeah. I can't imagine he's sitting about in England in the cold weather when he could be out counting his Bitcoin over there. 